Good morning, everybody. Come on in, have a seat. Welcome. John and Cherie are taking a break this morning. Be praying for them. God would renew and provide rest. And in the meantime, their wonderful kids are going to lead us in worship this morning. So let's, uh, let's all stand and worship. You are good, you are good When there's nothing good in me You are love, you are love On display for all to see You are light, you are light When the darkness closes in You are hope, you are hope You have covered all my sin You are peace, you are peace When my fear is crippling You are true, you are true Even in my wandering You are joy, you are joy You're the reason that I sing You are life, you are life In you death has lost its sting I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms The riches of your love will always be enough Nothing compares to your embrace Light of the world forever You are more, you are more than my words will ever say You are Lord, you are Lord All creation will proclaim You are here, you are here In your presence I made all You are God, you are God Of all else I'm letting go Oh, I'm running to your I'm running to your arms The riches of your love Will always be enough Nothing compares to your embrace Night of the world forever reign I'm running to your arms I'm running to your arms The riches of your love Will always be enough Nothing compares to your embrace Night of the world forever My heart will sing No other name Jesus Jesus My heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus My heart will sing No other name Jesus Jesus My heart will sing No other name Jesus 
ashes of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever. I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever. the poor and powerless and all the lost and lonely all the thieves will come confess and know that you are holy and know that you are holy and all will sing out Hallelujah, and we will cry out Hallelujah. All the hearts who are content and all who feel unworthy. All who work with nothing left will know that you are holy and all will sing out hallelujah and we will cry out hallelujah and we will sing out hallelujah and we will cry Hallelujah, and we will cry out, Hallelujah. 
down and scream it from the mountains Go on and tell it to the masses That he is God And we will sing out hallelujah And we will cry out Hallelujah, we will sing out Hallelujah, God. One day we're going to sing out Hallelujah in the presence of God. I can't wait until that day. Well, you may be seated. Good morning, church. If you're new, welcome. If you're not new, welcome. So glad you're all here with us this morning online. Glad you're with us this morning. Um, you should have gotten a welcome sheet as you came in. It has some of the events coming up. Um, at the bottom of that sheet is a connect card. That's one way that you can connect with us um, in a whole bunch of different ways, actually. We'd like to know about you if we don't, and that's one way we can get to know about you. Um, certainly, I'd love to meet you, uh, but how we can pray for you is a big thing. You put prayer requests on there. We pray for those every week. We, uh, we serve a Lord who listens to our prayers, and He answers, and He told us, uh, you don't have because you don't ask, and so we make sure we ask of the Lord, um, and so we'd like to know how we can pray for you. Um, if there's things you have questions about, um, put that on there or just say, I'd like to talk to a pastor and we'll get back with you. Um, Easter is right around the corner. Uh, it's early this year, I think. Um, so in two weeks, that's two weeks away, right? Two weeks is Easter. Um, I've got an assignment for you. Pray. This is a time of year when a lot of people will come uh, to be in a church service where they would not the rest of the year, right? Um, there's opportunity there for the gospel to be heard. Um, we're going to have Easter down at the land. We're going to have a sunrise service. That's why the 7-11, because that's when Google tells me that sunrise will be on that day. Um, and then we'll have a main service at 10 a.m. in the tent down there. We're going to open up the walls and... Um, invite the community in. I, I just put an ad on Facebook since that's where you put ads. Um, but even better than Facebook, invite people. Say, hey, do you have somewhere where you're going for Easter? It's a great opportunity to invite neighbors uh, who wouldn't otherwise go to church. Just, it's a friendly invitation. Hey, do you have some place to go for Easter morning? And hey, if you don't, we've got a sunrise service and a regular service. Um, and it's going to be just like last year. If you were there, the sunrise service is is quiet. It's actually out in the field. Um, there's no sound system or anything. It's just a, a, a beautiful time of really celebrating the, our risen Savior um, as the sun comes up and pray that God will clear the clouds so that the sun will come up at that time. Um, so that's coming up. Be praying over that time, please. Preteen camp and youth camp. Today is the day to register if you haven't yet. Um, uh, if you can't do that today, or for some reason, maybe you're online, you're going, well, I haven't got that in yet. 
Um, this Wednesday would be the final time to register at um, <coughs> Youth Night, uh, 180 Youth down at the, at the tent. So please, if you are planning to go, we need to know because we need to turn around and lock in our numbers with the camp, and we're due for that at the end of this month. Um, next week uh, will be Palm Sunday. It's also our memorial service for Terry. Um, and so that'll be in the afternoon here in the barn at 3.30. Um, and y'all invited to celebrate the life of Terry, a faithful servant of the Lord. All right. Kids. Do we have any kids in here? Kids can head out at this point. Dario's ready for you back there. Oh, our kids were hiding in the back. All right. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. Um, I thank you for this season where we're going to be celebrating uh, your death and resurrection. Lord, I pray for our community that you would work in lives, what, whatever people are going through right now, that you would make yourself known, that you'd bring people to the service. And Lord, at that service, that people would, for the first time maybe, truly understand the grace of the cross. What you did, Lord Jesus, to pay for our sin on the cross so that we could have eternal life. We simply need to turn to you. So Lord, I just pray that you do that work. We can't accomplish that supernatural work to open the eyes of a heart of a sinner. Like, like ours was opened at one point, Lord. That's the work that only you can do. So God, use us in your work. Multiply the ministry so that people will come to you. Um, Lord, I thank you for this time. Next week, we'll be able to um, remember Terry. And Lord, I just pray for Tim in this time of preparation. He's going to have people in town. And, and there's a lot to, to think about. Lord, I just pray for our brother that he'd be comforted by your Holy Spirit. God, that as a body, we'd be able to just uh, be family around him. And Lord, that it would just be a beautiful time celebrating um, just a piece of the celebration that's already happened in heaven uh, as she was welcomed home. And God, we just thank you for being a part of your family. Have your hand on this morning, Lord. Let it all be to your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are finishing Matthew 24 this morning. Um, there's been a lot of charts and stuff, right? Matthew 24 has been Jesus answering questions about end times. The disciples, just like us today, are wondering when, when all of those last things are going to happen. How's it going to go down? Um, and, you know, it, we do our best to, to try to understand from what Jesus gave us uh, what it's going to be. He gave us a lot. Um, and before we kind of make our way out of chapter 24, there's a couple of things that I just, I want us to not miss that we touched on through the last few weeks, that Jesus within Matthew 24 was pointing us to. So Matthew 24, verse 7, if you recall, um, if we could put that up there, Matthew 24, 7, is that in there? Nope, we didn't get that one. All right, there it is, Yay. It's in the midst of saying, here's all the stuff you can expect, actually expect during our time now, leading up to the end, and 
saying, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Is that all I gave you? All right, let me look it up. Because that's not all I want you to take from it. There's a lot that he says. Oh, verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. See that you are not alarmed. That is so important for us. As there are earthquakes and famines and wars and rumors of wars and things going on that are alarming. By their very nature, they're alarming. And he's telling us, see that you're not alarmed. These things must take place. In other words, he's in control. Never for a moment is God not in control. No matter how out of control, no matter how evil the days get, as God is allowing the powers of this world, those who are against him, to move forward. And I believe the ultimate allowing of the enemy to move forward is when he raptures his church. There will be a moment on this earth where there will be no Christians. Can you imagine that? There will be no one who confesses Jesus as Lord on this earth. And that is the ultimate let it go forward moment. These things must be, but never for a moment is God not in control. So that's just one thing to remember as we're making our way out of this chapter. And then another point, which I, I like Mark's account, just add, Mark captures a little bit more of what Jesus said. In Mark 13, 23, Jesus tells them, be on, but be on guard because I have told you all things beforehand. He's already told us what's going to happen. He told us there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. He, he told us that these things are going to happen. So be on guard. There's going to be false prophets. There's going to be uh, false messiahs. So you shouldn't be taken in by these things because he's told you already. Um, now, with prophecy, I think God on purpose. It, it was the same thing when he was fulfilling prophecy in his first coming uh, to go to the cross, there was a lot of mystery in the prophecy. But the way God puts prophecy together, when it happens, those who are paying attention, those who have listened to what God has said, will recognize it. And we can see it coming, right? So he has told us everything we need to know. We shouldn't be surprised or taken in by anything. Be on guard have understanding. So let's not miss those as now we make our way out of chapter 24. Now last week, um, he addressed the when of it. And he said, well, no one knows the day or the hour, right? No one knows when these things are going to happen. The angels don't know. And at that time, Jesus didn't know. Um, I think now Jesus in the presence of the Father does know. Um, that's, a, that's a whole other thing, but, but that Jesus and the Father would be the only ones at this point that know, right? It's on purpose that God has put mystery around it so that we don't know. It's going to be when you don't expect. And so we get into chapter 24, verse 24. And 
24. No, sorry, not verse 24. 42. Boy, I'm dyslexic this morning. There we go. That didn't seem like the right spot. All right. Therefore, stay awake. Stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Have you ever been robbed? I remember, uh, and, and, and you're like, oh, if I could only have done that, it would have changed. It's like that opportunity is lost. There is regret there, right? Um, there was a time uh, Elizabeth and I were still dating, and she lived with her mom and dad down in La Playa de Tijuana. You wonder why she can speak Spanish. She lived in, in Tijuana. Um, and I had my Nissan pickup, and I had just bought new speakers. Not real big, but I was proud of them. These new speakers, and I had them behind the seats in the pickup, right? And so I'm coming into her town in La Playa de Tijuana, uh, with my stereo turned up, advertising to the whole neighborhood that he's got new speakers. <laughs> Not very wise, right? Parked my pickup truck right outside their house there on the street. And the next morning, guess what? Pickup trucks are really easy to pop that back window open. And they got in there, and there's only one thing gone. My new speakers, Right? The regret is like, oh, if only I had not advertised to the world that I have new speakers as I came in to town. And you'd think that I would learn such things. It was, it was some number of years later that uh, we were going to a motocross race, Qualcomm Stadium. And as we're entering into the parking lot, um, I'm in the passenger seat working on something. I had this really nice... Uh, Dell XPS laptop with all the LED lights that light up on the back and it was all so cool and powerful and, and there it's on my lap as we're driving in past thousands of tailgaters. I was advertising to everybody that there is going to be a really cool laptop in that car. And sure enough, we got back out of the event and the car had been broken into and my backpack was gone. Regret. If you had known it would happen, what would you have done differently? That's what Jesus is saying here. Just like the master of a house, once his, a thief has come in, and it, if he had known, he would have not allowed that to happen. And Jesus is saying, I'm coming at a time you don't expect. Don't find yourself in a place of regret, knowing you could have done something and now... Oh, the regret, if only. The first point in the notes are just two words to meditate on. Eternal regret. That's a devastating thing. When Jesus comes, for some it's going to be eternal glory. But for some it will be eternal regret. 
every chance you had, you never turned to Jesus. And now it's too late. He gave grace upon grace, time upon time. Jesus here is talking to his disciples. This really is addressed as we're going through, and Jesus is, is kind of one after the other giving analogies in kind of a parable form of, of these different things for, for his disciples or those who would call themselves disciples of Jesus to have understanding, right? The, the main audience is not the world that rejects Christ completely, but the main audience is everyone who would claim to be a servant of Christ or to be a Christian. And the big regret would be to say, yes, at some point in my life, I'm going to truly follow Jesus. At some point in my life, I'm going to truly accept him as Lord of my life, but not yet. I've got some things I want to do in my life first. Don't do that. That's what Jesus is saying. You don't know. And this is an important part of God's design in the end times is that we don't know. It could be today. We, we try to understand and try to and, and see as the day is approaching, but, but there's an important truth here that at any moment when you don't expect it, Christ could come. And, and he's really challenging anyone who would entertain the idea of following him that now is the time. Don't wait. Because if you're that person that waits a day, you'll be the person that waits a week. And if you're a person that waits a week, you're going to wait a year. It's, you're going to be that person that keeps putting it off. And then when that time comes, you don't want to face eternal re regret. I never truly gave my life to the Lord. It's been there. His grace right there in front of me, and I never took it. Second, second illustration. Verse 45. Who then, Jesus says, is the faithful and wise servant? There's, we're going to hit this a couple of times, this idea of the foolish versus the faithful and wise. Right? Foolishness and wisdom. There is a lot about foolishness and wisdom in the Bible. Where does wisdom start? Anybody who's been reading that for a while? Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, right? And that's, that's really where all of this goes, is, uh, where all of it starts is taking God seriously. And it's from the fear of the Lord that I'm going to respond to his offer of grace properly. But who then is the faithful and wise servant? Verse 45, whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So there's this picture of the master having given responsibility to his servant And who is going to be the faithful and wise servant that when the master returns, he's going to find him doing the work he gave him, things that he's given him responsibility in.
Here's something that's a truth in this, and it's actually the second point. God has a purpose for me. You say that together? God has a purpose for me. Specifically for you, God has a purpose. He designed you the way you are, your strengths and your weaknesses. He has a purpose for your life in this time. He has an agenda. He has a plan. Let that sink in because especially in the high school age, right? You're starting to form plans for your life. And I've had all sorts of times in my life where you're forming plans. Uh, high school, into college, a young married, uh, you know, it's a career. There's lots of plans. Do you realize God has a plan for your life? He has a work that He wants you to do. He has goals. He has a future for you. And the question here Jesus is putting before his disciples, who's going to be the faithful and wise servant that when I return, what is occupying your time? What are you doing? Are you faithful in what he's given you to do? And then with that, I think this looks into the millennial reign. I think there's other parts that we can look at this too that just suggest possibly that those who are faithful in this time and what God has given them to do will be rewarded in what they're doing in those thousand years. I don't think the thousand years are going to be the same experience for everyone. It's going to be blessed. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. But the responsibilities we have there and what... God is giving for us to do in that time, it appears are connected to our faithfulness in this very short time of our life now. I'll put him over many possessions. In verse 48, but if that wicked servant, now this is a the opposite of faithful and wise, the wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. Notice the, the, there's an extreme opposite here. And whenever you see an extreme, just pay attention. It's there for a purpose. It's like it's not just that he's not faithful. He's, he's completely uh, wicked in what he's doing and in, in the contrast, the faithful servant is caring for others. He's the one making sure they're fed, right? It, it's a job that God has given him that's caring for others. And the wicked servant is actually, um, well, what is he doing? He is, yeah, it, it, it's, he's beating his fellow servants, right? And he's eating and drinking with drunkards, saying, ah, Jesus isn't coming anytime soon. Um, I can figure this stuff out later. And that leads me into a life that's opposite of what God wants me to do, which is going to be loving my brother, loving those around me. Um, verse 50, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. At an hour, 
He does not know. I think the further you are from doing the will of God and carrying out the work that he wants, the more surprised you're going to be when he comes. I think the faithful servants, we saw those in Jesus' time, were those that were ready. When Jesus was born, they were praying. They were ready for a Savior to come. They, they were not surprised at his coming. But those who weren't ready, certainly surprised. Um, and... He'll come in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. This is a hypocrite. Someone who claims to be a Christian but is not. Someone who claims to be of Christ but is not. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It doesn't matter how much you say you're a Christian. If it's not real, God knows it's not real. All right, third illustration. Get into chapter 25. We are out of chapter 24. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Let's just read through this, this whole parable of the virgins. Um, five of them were foolish. Here we go, foolish and wise. And five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers, buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Again, we're talking about being ready. You don't know when he's going to come. Are you ready for him to come? Are you putting it off being ready? If he was to come today, have you been faithful in what he's given you to do? Have you believed on the name of Jesus Christ? Are you ready have you given your life to the Lord? Is He your Lord? So what is He talking about? Um, Jesus isn't making up some weird scenario that would not be normal for that day. This, he's using, like He does in all these things, He's using something they would relate to, understand. And um, the way weddings worked back then the, you know, you'd have this betrothal period. That's what Mary and Joseph were betrothed. And then the groom would go off, right? And, and then at a time that you didn't expect, and boy, God designed marriage within the Jewish community to just totally reflect his coming. At a time you didn't expect that the bride would just have to be ready. And it might be in the middle of the night. Then this big party would come, Right? And it's a big procession, and, and he'd come and pick up his bride, and then 
uh, there'd be um, uh, festivities there, and then they go back to the groom's place that he had prepared for her, right? Just like Jesus is preparing a place for us today. Um, but it was to be a surprise, and she was supposed to be ready, and, and it was customary. You would have, this would be your bridesmaids with her, right? The, the virgins that we're talking here, that, that would be a common thing that you would have or equivalent to bridesmaids attending the bride. Now, you don't want to make too much of the parable. Is it, what, what is he putting together here? Um, we know that the church is the bride of Christ, right? Um, the bride's not in the picture here, uh, but he's still talking about disciples and their readiness. And so these five foolish and five wise virgins or bridesmaids are depicting five foolish and five wise so-called disciples of Christ. Yes, I'm a Christian. And of course, the groom is Jesus himself who will return at a time you don't expect. Who is faithful? Who is ready? Verse 2, five of them were foolish, five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. This really is the only difference between them. They all slept. Verse 5, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. All of them slept. All of them, right? The only difference between the foolish and the wise was oil. And, and the lamps, um, most likely for this type of a situation, were more like a torch, uh, with, and they would have oil to put on the torch, right? To fuel the torch. Um, in the Old Testament, there's a picture Prophet Zechariah, in chapter 4 of Zechariah's picture of this lampstand with seven lamps, and there's a bowl of oil feeding the lamps. And then there's olive trees as, as kind of this supply of oil to the bowl. Of, as, there's this picture of unlimited supply of oil to these lamps. And Zechariah is going... What does this all mean? And the first answer that comes to Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The presence of Christ in your life is what gives you power, is what gives you the, the ability to continue to the end, to sustain you to the end. There, we have the foolish ones look everything the part of the wise ones except they're missing the very thing that will sustain the light of the torch that they have. They can light it, but without oil, what's it going to do? It's going to flare up for a moment and be out. The only difference in a true believer and one who just claims to be a Christian is the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of Christ in their life. When that time comes, be it the end of your life 
or if we should all be surprised by the coming of Christ. Are you ready? Have you invited Jesus into your life? And that's not something that someone else can do for you. Let me have some of the oil of your lamp. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Every individual has to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you invited Jesus into your life? Verse 6, but at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. They weren't ready. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. You, you can't take from someone else. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. He came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Jesus said earlier, it's going to be like on the day of Noah, when, when they're just completely oblivious, eating and drinking normal life, and then Jesus comes, right, and gathers his people, and the door is shut. It is too late, and then it says they're still not going to understand, and then the flood will come. A week later, seven years later, that's a picture of regret to be on the outside of that door. Having never truly invited Jesus to be Lord. He is Lord, but is He Lord of your life? He is the King of kings, but is He your King? Verse 11, afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I don't know you. I don't know you. At the end, this is all that matters. There's the last question in the notes. Does Jesus know me? That's all that's going to matter. There are experts on Jesus. They are experts. They, they, they could tell you the history, the story. Maybe they even tell you the redemption of Jesus and all of that. But unless you've actually invited Jesus into your life, to be your Lord, right? To be your Savior, then you don't know Him and He doesn't know you in the full sense of knowing. Gnosko, intimately, personally, to know Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus. Does Jesus know me? Do I have a relationship with him? Don't, it's not do I know about him. 
Have I done all the things? What we've done really doesn't matter if he does not know us. If we're not in a relationship with him, it doesn't matter what we've done. Look in Matthew chapter 7. Earlier in Matthew, we covered this. Verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. That's that same picture. The, the, the bride, bride, uh, bridemaids come back and Lord, Lord, like open to us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What's the will of the Father? Jesus says his commandment is that we love one another. What's the Father's will? 1 John 3, 23, and this is his commandment, the Father's commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he's commanded us. What, is, what does the Father want? To believe in His, in his Son. He, he, God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die for us. What does He want the world to do? To turn and believe. To receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Here, again, in, in John 6, 40. For this is the will of my Father, Jesus says, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on that last day. That's what God wants. That's what the Father wants. We can get into all of these other things. We think, okay, this is what God wants. I'm going to go do all of these things for God, and that's going to earn me a place in heaven. No, if you haven't turned to his son, he wants you to turn to Jesus and be saved. That's it. And there's going to be a new life that he gives you, and it's going to be evident in what you do. But don't try to fake it. Faking it won't work. You have to turn honestly to Jesus. So back in Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? So you call him Lord, you prophesy in his name, and cast out demons in your name, cast out demons in his name, and do many other mighty works in your name. Do any of those things matter if you don't know Jesus? No. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The one thing that matters in the end, does Jesus know me? Have I actually gone to him and said, Jesus, I want to invite you into my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to save me. If I've gone my whole life putting that off, it's like, no, I still want to do it my way. I'm going to serve and do the things that I think are good works. I'm going to look the part of a good Christian. I think we're going to be surprised when we see who's in heaven. I think there's going to be some pastors that won't be in heaven because it's been all about the work of Christianity, and they never got to know Jesus himself. And there's going to be some people who are like, how'd they get into heaven? You know how? They know Jesus. And they, they, and they have an incredibly broken life, but what matters at the end is, did they invite Jesus to be their Lord? Yes, Jesus, I want 
to follow you. I want to accept the salvation from the Father through you, Jesus, that what you purchased on the cross. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, Jesus. Jesus who existed eternally. He was there. Through him, all things were created that were created. That's what the Bible tells us. He wasn't always a man, but he became a man. That's what virgin birth is all about. Jesus putting on humanity, living a perfect life like we can't. So that as a man and as God and without sin, he could be a substitute for us to qualify as the perfect, all-sufficient substitute for humanity so that the penalty of our sin, which, which was described in here, being torn apart, uh, gnashing of teeth, fire, suffering. We don't want that forever regret apart from God. We don't have to face that. Why? Because of the grace of God through his son Jesus, whom he loved the world, he sent his son to die on the cross so that anyone who believes in him, that's the will of the Father, to believe in his son, to turn to him, will have an everlasting life. Never die. Not for anything that I've done or you've done, but because of what he's done. And to get to the end of my life or to be in that moment when Jesus comes in glory and then I had it there to do. All I had to do was turn to Christ and believe and I never did. If you've never done that, now's the time. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate on this very important thing because I will come at a time you don't expect. You don't even know how long your life will be. For us to, to think that we can know we have more time. People have lost their life in, in the most amazing just instant ways and we don't know. God knows. God knows how many days we have and God knows when he will return. If either of those things happen and I have not invited Jesus into my life, it is too late. And so Jesus warns us at the end of this passage, Matthew 25, 13, watch, he says, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for us. Lord, we did not deserve salvation. What we deserved, what we all of us deserve is the penalty for sin, which is death, eternal suffering. And God, in your grace, you have provided the way of salvation. God, I pray if there's anyone in this room who does not know you, maybe they've been that Christian, they've been 
all of the things, and they've grown up just thinking, well, I'd, I'm in a Christian family, or I'm, I'm just assuming that this is all going to work out. But God, if, if that's that person, they've never turned to you. God, I pray that this would be the time. If that's you, don't wait. Just pray and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior, my Lord, my King. I want to follow you. Let's just take a moment to pray. Just thank the Lord in your heart for the salvation that we have in Him. And if, if this is a time where you've never turned to Him, then just take some time to pray and maybe talk to Him for the first time personally. Let's just take a moment to pray. Maybe right now you've got a burden, something that's heavy on your heart. Just take a moment together to give Christ our burdens. He came to lift the weights that we carry, to take those on Himself, the burdens of sin, the burdens of everything that we face in this life. He wants to carry us by His power. So let's just take a moment and ask Him to take those burdens. Maybe there's an area in your life you've been just rebellious against God and it's, it's frustrating because you want to submit to Him but it's something you've been holding on to. Maybe there's just something that's just been a sin and, and you just feel filthy because of it. And I, Right now, let's just confess to the Lord our sin. Ask Him to wash us clean. That's His promise. He's faithful and just to cleanse us when we just confess our sin to him so let's do that it is in his great grace that we stand and live but just a moment last thing to pray for silently let's pray just worship for, for, for eternity we're going to glorify his name so let's just in our hearts just worship him for who he is Lord Jesus, you are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. You're our provider, Jehovah Jireh. You're the Almighty God. Jesus, you're the Savior. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You are our friend. You are our brother. You are the paraclete. God, you are above all gods. 
in you is life everlasting in you is light holy spirit in our lives you are the one who sustains us and gives us uh, light you're the one who, who makes our torch shine bright you're the one who will carry us to the end you are god almighty we worship you this morning let your name be lifted high in jesus name amen let's stand and sing is calling Oh come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ Your regrets and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was born with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior! Sent you wonderful Sing hallelujah Christ is risen Bow down before Him For He is Lord of all Sing hallelujah Christ is risen Savior, isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. 
down before him For he is Lord of all Sing hallelujah Christ is risen Oh come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Precious blood of Jesus Christ Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of the sin Jesus is calling There is no greater comfort than what we have in Jesus, the forgiveness of Christ, the life in Christ. No matter how broken or hurting or far from God we might be, in Him we have abundant grace and comfort. Let's live in that. I want to be found faithful when Jesus returns. Let's go do that. I love you, church. Go in the world.